welcome to the Mindset Mashup. I'm your host, Michelle Sorrow, TV host on Extra, master brand strategist, author on gratitude, and co-founder of Mindset Programs. And I dig deep to bring you closer to your best life in this lively, unfiltered, and heart-centered podcast. The Mindset Mashup is a compilation of real talks focused on epic mindset rituals and routines to help you get after your passion and potential. Tune in each Monday for inspirational guests who reveal their mindset must to help you optimize what matters most, self-love, impact, fulfillment. I'm so excited that you're here. Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the Mindset Mashup. I'm smiling ear to ear because this is our final interview of 2018 and it's with Dave Asprey, the father of biohacking. By the way, did you know that's in the Webster Dictionary? Imagine that, right? You're in the Webster's Dictionary for the work that you are doing. This is a real full circle moment for me. And I, I do share about this in this talk, but I wanted to just give you more context. I do talk in this conversation with Dave, the moment that I asked him, and then he explains why he said yes, which is really cool. That was on July 1st of this year. And my podcast launched June 11th. So it wasn't even three weeks old when I had the balls to ask Dave Asprey to be on my podcast. But I did. And you know, I encourage everyone to step outside their comfort zone and to go to the rooms and to meet the people and and to ask for what you want, but do it in a way where it's authentic and it's real. And apparently that really landed for Dave. So I'm really glad that was an example of practicing what you preach. But what's so cool about this for me is that him saying yes, and even though I knew that it was going to be an interview toward the end of the year, and it's if you're listening in real time, this is November 26th that we are recording and we'll release it in a couple of weeks to coincide with the release of his third big new book, Game Changers, that we talk about in this chat as well. But having him on my calendar and having him confirmed helped me tremendously. It was so valuable in being able to get other guests that know him, respect him, maybe are friends with him. And, you know, I didn't plan on any of that. It just happens to be the world that I'm interested in and have invested in and have benefited by tremendously. It's like, that's a game changer, right? And so just to have him on the calendar and to be able to, to say that has brought me tremendous guests, pinch me guests that then I get to bring to you. So this is a real moment for me. And I just want you to hear that because I'm so grateful for him. So for those of you who are new to him, let me just give you a formal introduction. Dave Asprey is the founder and CEO of Bulletproof 360, a leading food, beverage, and content company and creator of the wild popular Bulletproof Coffee. He's a two-time New York Times bestselling science author, by the way, by the time this comes out. It'll be a third, because I have no doubt Game Changers is going to hit number one. And I never say that, but I just know it will. And he's host of the number one biohacking and Webby award-winning podcast, Bulletproof Radio. And if you haven't listened to that, guys, I highly encourage you to subscribe right away. So much good stuff. But like Dave says in this talk, you could also just pick up his book, Game Changers. You can pick it up anywhere. And it's distilled wisdom from over four. 450 epic interviews from the podcast and that same question that he asked every single guest at the end 
he summarizes that and analyzes that, and they put a tremendous amount of research into the common themes to really help us level up our lives, and it'll be a game changer. I cannot wait. I've already pre-ordered. So it's very, very, very exciting. Through the Bulletproof Diet, Dave has maintained a 100-pound weight loss. He's improved his sleep, upgraded his brain. Did you know that he's raised his IQ? He's ultimately transformed himself into a better entrepreneur. He's got multiple companies now, better husband and a better father. He's helped hundreds of thousands of people perform at levels far beyond what they'd expect and without burning out, getting sick or allowing stress to control decisions. Dave's appeared on major media outlets such as the Today Show, CNN, Dr. Oz, and many others. And I'm just so grateful that he's here and gets to talk to you about what's lighting him up. I mean, this new big book is a big deal. So Game Changers, please pick it up. He talks about some simple rituals and routines, which he would call habit loops based on his new book. And he explains a couple of those in here that I think you will instantly apply to your life and you will level up. He also, by the way, because I couldn't resist, right? He asked each one of his guests on his podcast the same final, final question at the end of the interview. And it's basically, I'll paraphrase right now, but it's, what are your top three pieces of advice for people who want to kick more ass, you know, who just want to get after it more in life? And I don't know that anyone's ever asked him. And I certainly don't know what the answers are if they've been asked. And things might change, right? And he says, I'll tell you. He's like, at the very end of the book, I share mine. And I don't just share three. Of course, I had to add one bonus. So he shares four. But he gave us two in this short but deep conversation. So I'm really excited. And I love his definition of fulfillment, which is the whole purpose of the podcast. So I am pretty stoked, (laughs) to say the least, that he came on. And I cannot wait for you guys to, to listen in and soak it up so that you can biohack your life and totally optimize your mindset to experience more fulfillment every single day. All right, here we go. Dave Asprey, welcome to the Mindset Mashup. I'm super happy to be here. Oh, that makes me so happy to hear. So your brand new book, your third new big book, Game Changers, What Leaders, Innovators, and Mavericks Do to Win at Life. It's just come out. How's life? Well, obviously, this is real time. Let me just be honest. It's November 26th, but we're talking about it as if it's already happened and it's become, it's become another New York Times bestseller, my friend. How is life? You know, life is great. I'm I'm really happy to see it uh, on the New York Times bestseller list uh, at the, the number one spot. That's uh, right. Ahead of of other books that also have broken sales records. Okay, the power of positive affirmations, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe in incantations? Mm, I don't know about incantations, but uh, a new positive. study actually just came out showing the neurological changes from positive affirmations, and and showing that they actually change parts of the brain and the people who did them in a very controlled study, they were less sedentary. They actually moved more. And you could see the changes on an fMRI, which is particularly cool. So yeah, there's something to be said about telling yourself the world is going to be the way you want it to be. I love that. And by the way, I I love the very clear word that you guys chose in the subtitle, which is leaders, innovators, and mavericks do not think, not believe, right? Do actionable items. And then you break that down. This book is a labor of love, passion, and purpose. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. There's also a selfish angle to it. Mm. 
And it, it's that if you really want to learn something, like build it into your operating system, I've only found two ways that work uh, for me. Uh, one is to teach a university level class on it. And I did that for five years in the, the formation of the internet days. And the other way is to write a book about it because the act of writing a book forces you to put structure around your thinking. So I'm thinking, wait, I, I've interviewed 500 people who are, are really noteworthy achievers who've done big things, Nobel Prize winners and Navy mm. SEALs and people. And so if I wanted to, instead of just absorbing all of those 500 hours plus all the study before them, uh, yeah, I, I got all that, but I didn't have the time to sit down and, and think and structure it. And in the act of writing this book, I, I think I got more out of it than people who read it are going to get. But what you get out of the book is it took you four hours to read it. And I used statistics and math and a lot of work to boil down all of the wisdom from those 450 plus people. Uh, in order to make it really accessible. And from there, you can zoom in on you know, the episodes of Bulletproof Radio that were most exciting for you. Or you just read the book, you do the exercises and decide where you want to start. But the ROI on your time for reading the book is, is incredible. That's what I love about it because I'm obsessed with your podcast, number one in biohacking. I listened to the 454th, no, excuse me, 554th interview yesterday. I've listened to like 20 lately because I was prepping for you. Oh, you. And I love them. And I love, by the way, that you almost always go over an hour and I'm like, yes, he can't help himself. Um, <laughs> and that your guests hang in there with you and it's always so alive and dynamic. And I just love learning about you and learning about them. And what's so cool about this book is that you've said that it's taken you thousands of hours and more than 450 hours of interviews with lots of prep in there. And then you always ask your guests at the end of each podcast interview, the same final, either three questions or question, which is, I don't want to just paraphrase. What is that question? I always ask people, if someone came to you tomorrow and said, I want to perform better at everything I do as a human being, what are your three most important pieces of advice? That's so powerful. And it's, it's carefully phrased mm -hmm. because I don't want someone who's a neuroscientist to say, well, based on neuroscience research, I'm like, look, you didn't know neuroscience research when you were 18 years old and you decided to become a neuroscientist. What, what happened? What was going on in there? And of course, what did you learn as a neuroscientist? But that was what the interview is for. The final question was the, the survey, the data source mm. that comes out in Game Changers. So we can figure out, don't do what that one successful person did. Why don't you look at what was important to all successful people? Oh, it's so cool. And then I love that you talk about how you ran an analysis of what they shared in common. And then lately you've been, you know, kind of dispersing some nuggets, some gold on your social media. And I have been scouring it and I'm like, oh my gosh, is that really, is that really law number one, learning to say no? Is that from the book? <laughs> it's law number one from the book. It's so amazing. And by the way, it has been a game changer in my life. I can't wait to hear what your experts, guests, thought leaders, I mean, this panel and this roster of people that you've been able to interview, why they talk about that. You want to break that down for a second here? Sure. That was the first law. And there's 46 laws in the book. And all of them came out from quantitative research about what, what people actually said when, mm. I, when they answered that question. And I, I tell the stories of three people, including one of the top 100 execs at Ford Motor Company, who is a Wharton professor who, who teaches people to pay attention to not wasting their time. Jeff Spencer, who is the coach for the Tour de France teams for nine years, helping mm. these people do the impossible, who was my executive coach for a while. Wow. And one other guy named Tony Stubblebine, who's just mm. looking at accountability. Mm. And 
the power of no, the full law says you have 24 hours in a day. You can choose to spend those hours creating things you truly care about on insignificant matters or struggling to prove your worth by doing the things that are hardest for you. Master the art of doing what matters most to you, the things that create energy, passion, and quality of life with the lowest investment of energy. Mm. Say no more. Decide mm. less so you have more power for your mission. Mm. And like, I, no one told me this when I was young. So I, always, I would always put the things that I sucked at the most. So <laughs> it's not okay to do that. I better go do that even more so mm. I, I won't suck at anything. And what a low bar. How about I, I'm going to choose to not do the things I suck at and I'm going to focus on the things that I really, really like that make me happy where I can do things better than almost anyone because I'm going to get a higher return on my effort there. And if I just trust that the things that I don't like, there's someone else out there who loves those things, who isn't good at the things I'm good at, we work better as a system of humanity that way. It's called specialization. But more importantly, you're just happier and mm. things aren't hard when you're doing stuff that gives you energy. Totally. Which also brings me to something else that you talk about a lot. And this really drew me to you. I love how you're always talking about the quickest mindset hack to empowerment and just personal happiness, which is smiling and choosing happiness and choosing joy. And you're constantly sprinkling in. I'm assuming it's you on, on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I do a lot of my own posting. I have people who help me, but no, I, I do an insane amount of, hey, this is what I'm actually doing right now because people are really interested. Yeah, It's important that you don't put people like me up on you know, pedestals. And I, I had this interview a while ago where a younger kind of excited entrepreneur podcaster was saying, well, everything Dave Asprey wants, Dave Asprey gets. I'm like, stop. Mm. I worked for 20 years in Silicon Valley learning how to be an entrepreneur. Like I failed. I lost $6 million when I was 28. I made and lost $6 million before I turned 30. And <laughs> like I paid for this with blood, sweat, and tears. And so it might look effortless, but no, it, it comes from apprenticeship. It comes from learning. And it comes from now uh, from learning from other people's mistakes. But a lot of what I learned early in my career was from just making my own mistakes because I was too stubborn to learn from other people's. Mm, I love that. But going back to that law number one, the power of no, 450 epic world game changers, right? That you've interviewed and been able to still their wisdom down to basically some common fundamental answers in terms of the three pieces of advice they would give anyone to get after it more in life. And I'm paraphrasing and I know you didn't, but you also sprinkle in a lot of smiling, being happy as a mindset hack for empowerment. I'm going to bridge these two in a moment, but for a guy who knows that law number one is the power of no and always smiling and talking about that joy and who's on the road, what, up to 175 days per year? I, I work to keep it to about 125 to 150 now. 175 Slacking. was extreme. You've got a wife that you adore, your kids, your podcast, you know, with over 550 episodes so far, your books, New York Times bestselling books, your blog, your speaking events, growing your companies. I mean, how do you know when to say no and when to say yes and keep a smile on your face? Well, you wouldn't believe it, but I, I have three other companies too. Well, I said growing your companies, plural. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, I've so, been to Upgraded Labs, by the way. I just was given a tour by Miranda and nice. crew. Yeah. When do you know to say no and when do you know to say yes? It comes down to these two different competing parts of the mind. 
there's the rational part of your mind, which we're all rational creatures on one level. And simultaneously, we're all irrational creatures because that other half of our mind that's in the realm of feelings. And so you look at something from both. And when the logical lines up and the gut feel lines up, you should do it. If the gut feel lines up and the logical stuff doesn't line up, you probably shouldn't do it. And the worst of all is if the logical lines up and the gut feel says no, just don't do it. And a lot of the times the mistakes I've made is, well, you know, you should, really it all makes sense to do it on paper, but you kind of know so, at some level, like that's not really a good choice. So you do that. And also, frankly, it takes a lot of energy to say no. And mm-hmm. it's totally okay to hire someone to say no for you. <laughs> I love that. And this is one of the things that a good executive assistant will do or a good PR agency or a good you know, head of operations or the people in your company it's their job to be a filter so that anything that comes across my desk based on rules and priorities and beliefs and missions and visions and values and things like that, where we all know. So if it comes to me, the odds are I probably want to say yes. Or if it's one of those, we're not sure it's labeled as we're not sure. So I can cut down the number of times I've got to say no, because another part of the book, one of the other 46 laws talks about decision fatigue. And if I have to say yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, all day long, I'm mm. not a very good CEO, mm. right? I, I want to build a system, a team who's fully empowered to say yes or no without me and bring me in uh, when necessary. Otherwise, my head would explode. It's amazing. I met you through your pal, Ken Rakowski, who is a business entrepreneur, and he leads this cool, I think it's a men's empowerment group called Metal. And he was yeah. bringing them through Upgrade Labs on a private tour, which you totally catered to them like it was a five-star event. I mean, it was really generous of you. And I got introduced to you on July 1 of 2018. My podcast had been out for about two weeks. I would interviewed people like, you know, my best friend. And I had big dreams for this podcast. But you saying yes to me in that moment and not saying no, despite all the reasons why it would have been so easy to say no, really helped me. I mean, you probably took me ahead by three years, Dave. So I have to just first give you so much gratitude for that because just being able to say that I, I had an interview with you five months down the road got me people that I dreamed of. And you were at my top, you know, we were my top three as well, just because my parents are fanatical fans of yours. Almost everyone I know is, and their lives have been changed from your work and your mission for these past almost two decades. So I just wanted to thank you right here in the middle, because I don't even know if you remember that moment, but that's when it happened. I, I totally remember that moment. And, and first, uh, you're you're welcome. I'm happy to be here and, and support your, your podcast. You have, you have really good energy in person. Thank and you. You did something that a lot of people don't do you actually were out there in the real world. And <laughs> yeah. people say, oh, how did you grow such a brand? Did you, you know, I ask people, did you see that? I travel 150 days of the year. Right. You know how many stages I've been on to talk about the stuff that I think really matters for people so that mm. they can have more energy, which automatically makes you a nicer person and things like that. So if you want credibility, you show up and be real. And that's how stuff like this happens. What doesn't happen is sending out a bunch of those annoying emails 
that people have started sending that say, hey, just just email to check if you got my last email, the one that they didn't <laughs> send. Like I know. Those, you know, telemarketing, whatever, it, it's like advanced business spam. And and just for people listening, if you ever send me one of those, you are at, you're blacklisted. Like you're in my spam filter. I, you'll, right. I'll never I'll never see anything you say again. Don't do yeah. that. But yeah. what you did is you're like, hey, I'm doing this podcast. The other thing I did that you don't know about is mm-hmm. I said, yeah, I'm I'm interested. Send me a note about it, and I'll have my team vet it. So my team looked at it, and you that had is it. true. There's a chance they would have said no, but you know, so you basically, you got in front of the right person by being a real person in, in the real world. You showed up the right way. You were authentic. You weren't weird in your ask. And then you said the right things to my team to get them to say yes. So nice work. (laughs) Well, thank you. Because how many podcasts do you get asked to be on per year? Oh, I hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I mean, I I get, uh, I have a thousand people trying to get on Bulletproof Radio right now too, because it's, you're one of the top 10 uh, health and fitness podcasts. Right. And so companies who get on, can, they can sell, you know, 10 times more than they sold them the week before. And just if, if I mention something and I'm, wow. I'm grateful to mention good stuff and I'm happy to do that, but you know, th- there are limits <laughs> to just, totally. there's only 110 episodes and I want to talk about the things that I, I feel are most important. So I, I do get a lot of pressure there. And, you know, thanks to having a good executive producer, I don't have to say no a thousand times a month or a year or whatever it is to getting on podcasts. Yes, it's amazing. And I'm so grateful that you're here. Speaking of all the things that you get to talk about on your podcast that really elevates their you know, brand awareness. And I know that you're super authentic about this, but you talk a lot about 40 years of Zen. And I know that you're part of the mastermind. But one of the things that you said that really, really you know, blew me away, you're talking about how it illuminates programming that sort of old programming or BS programming and that nothing lights you up more than talking to people who've gone through the program and really getting to witness their before and afters. And you talk about how it's enabled you to let go of some bad programming so that you are able to increase your performance and results. What was some of the bad programming that you were letting go of recently? It's interesting. I started 40 Years of Zen. It's an executive brain training facility, a five-day intensive program for, for brain upgrades. And, and it's had some very successful people come through it. And I did this because I wanted to have neuroscientists working on my payroll who I could use to you know, upgrade my own brain. And I've been doing neurofeedback on my brain for 20 years and doing it with mm. clients for about eight. And I said, it's time to open you know, a, a real facility. It's a $2.5 million facility that's you know, the, the best of what I know. And a lot of the knowledge that I gained from working with people made its way into to Game Changers mm-hmm. because even the power of saying no, um, you, yeah. you talk with people about why they're actually saying yes, it oftentimes comes, comes down to fear. And right. what, what I've come to believe, uh, both from Game Changers and from my last book, Headstrong, which it was really cool. There's this famous book, Homo Deus, another one, Sapiens. Hmm. And Headstrong hit the New York Times monthly science bestseller list sandwiched between those books. Oh, I, was, wow. I was the bologna if they were the bread. <laughs> it was one of those, those aha moments, but that was a deep book about what, what makes power and energy in your body. A lot of science around mitochondria. Well, okay. it turns out that everything that you do on a second by second basis is the same process that runs through ancient bacteria and any life form. And it's, run away from or kill scary things. It's eat everything and then have sex with everything else. <laughs> because if you do those three things, the species will survive. It's, and you do them in that order. And, and that's, that's what makes life work. Mm. 
And when you look at the things that we all do that we're ashamed of, it's always from one of those three areas. Mm. And it's not, those are not things we're doing. Those are things our body is doing automatically, even if our brain wasn't in there. It's the same thing a dog or a cow or you know, a Venus flytrap would be doing. And it's, it's kind of disturbing. But what that means is, is when you look at it from a neuroscience perspective or just from a personal development perspective, is that, okay, why are we establishing these patterns? Because the patterns are established to keep us alive. Mm. The problem is that the bacteria that run us, these mitochondria, they're dumb. They don't understand context. So if you felt threatened when a bully was doing something to you in third grade, the sensation you had there, hey, it felt life-threatening to a third grader, even though it wasn't, you're still going to carry that pattern recognition system with you into, in, as an adult. The number of entrepreneurs I've worked with who realize, oh, I'm actually doing my career because I'm still reacting to being bullied or mm-hmm. to you know, my parents being mean to me or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. We all bear this. I actually interviewed Jack Canfield from mm-hmm. Chicken Soup from the Soul Guy. I uh, love him. He's coming on here. Oh, is he beautiful? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. He's he's a friend, and he, yeah. I interviewed him an hour ago, and oh. so we were just talking about the same thing. And and this is it doesn't matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter how rich and powerful and successful you are, if you are alive, you are running these ancient patterns. Mm-hmm. So in my life, I went through every single thing I can find that pushes a button. All buttons are eventually fear when you when you work your way down through them, mm-hmm. even though they might not feel that way at the time. Right. It's just layers of crap between you and what's really going on. And I've addressed all of them using what's called the neurofeedback augmented reset protocol. So mm-hmm. I, it's hard for me to say, you know, in the last week I was working on this one pattern, you know, there's constant challenges from parenting and, you know, being in a relationship, you always come up across things or, you know, that's frustrating or dealing with, you know, what 11 year olds do as they go in, into a new phase or a nine year old. So that can always just make you more aware of things like, you know, wh- why does it piss me off when you know a child does that? Because they're clearly just doing their things. It's mostly little stuff at this point in my life because they're doing their job. <laughs> yeah. And I think I've nailed all my big stuff. And if there's more in there, I'm always, always aware and always ready to jump in and, and hit it if something comes up. It's been a little while since something really big has come up. That's really cool. And you've been through a lot. I mean, most people know your story, but what I love about it is that you, especially in Game Changers, your new book, you know, coming from you, a guy who's lost a hundred pounds and maintained that weight and optimized your health and now plan to live to what? 150? 180 or more. 180! Quality of life, not just inching up the years, but quality of life, hacking your biology, raising your IQ and becoming a higher performer. And so all these, you know, hacks or, you know, and the distilling of that, you guys can all find that on his blog. You know that because we have to wrap this up pretty soon. There's a couple more questions, but I've heard you in so many interviews, especially on your own podcast, share about some of the stuff that you've let go of. And then at one point I heard you say, no, I'm done. There's no more trauma. I think it was an interview with Mastin Kip and you're like, I'm done. That one's solid. And he was like, "Eh." (laughs) nothing's ever complete, right? It, It will come up in different ways. And so I love hearing that now, like what, six months later, a year later, you're like, there's still some stuff, but it's just smaller, you know, because we're never fully enlightened. We don't just arrive. It's not black and white like that, but it's this evolution. Would you agree? Well, the, the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. I've heard you say that, Thomas Jefferson. There you go. And he was talking about, you know, democracy and stuff like that. I'm just talking about control of your own ego. Yeah. If you stop paying attention to what's going on in there, stuff will sneak up. And by definition, it's supposed to be invisible. 
Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to see it because that's what the ego does. That's its job. It's a separate emergent consciousness inside your body. So as long as I'm putting enough of my own time and energy into being self-aware and I have people and systems around me that are going to call me on my BS, you know, I, I like to think I'm not at extreme high risk for you know, large blind spots. But I'll tell you, everyone has little blind spots throughout their day where you just don't see things. And that's why when you have a functioning society or community, that they help you to spot your blind spots. And in fact, having a strong community is one of the things that these 450 people I interviewed mm. um, said was really important for them to be able to, you know, to do their big missions, was have, have that kind of support. That This idea of the lone entrepreneur working late into the night alone in the yeah. garage, it's BS. I put in hours, people work hard, but you don't work hard alone. You actually work hard with way more support than you probably even recognize you have. Totally. The wind beneath your wings. What's a personal blind spot that you've recently uncovered? I'm sort of feeling a little stumped on that one. Mm. I haven't come across a major blind spot. The stuff that I'm dealing with on a a daily basis are the nuances of leading uh, leading a larger team. How do you have a, a culture like we have at Bulletproof, where you know, people do things to make themselves better every day and we're, we're very mission-driven. How do you scale that to hundreds of people? You know, how do you scale that to another language or another region? How do you make sure that you, know, you, you maintain that specialness as you grow? And by definition, there's no way a CEO of a five-person company knows what's going on inside all five people's minds. But you get a lot of people stuck there because they're micromanaging. But how do you make sure that the culture expands like that. So I spend a lot of my my days looking at stuff like that, but I'm not sure that I could tell you right now, oh, I have a blind spot about this one thing uh, or or another thing. Well, you would um, know it in hindsight, right? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Like, if it is a blind spot, I can't tell right? you that a major awakening in the last couple of weeks. I mean, um, mine was just so perfunctory to all humans, you know, it was like back in December, I went to an event called Date with Destiny with Tony Robbins. Oh, and I yeah. know that he's a friend of yours and you guys have shared many stages and he's been on your podcast a few times. And I loved, by the way, you getting to your your final three questions with him. But it was there that I I uncovered a big blind spot that I had no idea was running me at such a profound level, which was what others would think of me. And it's oh, so yeah. basic, you know, and it didn't matter what field you're in or what socioeconomic, you know, demographic you are, it's going to come up and get you. I wondered if that ever happens for you. And especially as you're growing now, really outside your, you know, the zone that you've been in for a while and, and, and you're scaling, does that ever come up for you? And being like known as the father of biohacking, is that pressure? Oh, it's not pressure. That's just all gratitude. Um, mm-hmm. you know, as a father, that like, like that was such an amazing thing to find out that Webster's added it to the dictionary. It's incredible. I'm in the dictionary. Like that's so cool. It's way cool. But there, there's actually a rule in Game Changers about you know how to deal with that because there were times in the evolution of bulletproof where it was it was really really a big deal. And what happens, especially when when you're starting a company, when people criticize the company, it feels like they're actually harming you. Like, like the mm-hmm. pattern matching system in your body is going to get triggered by that. And I had someone who was clearly bullied in high school who just set out to wreck my reputation. They had a financial, a financial motivation to do it. They, they wanted to, to basically copy the idea of Bulletproof and, and try and run with it. And, you know, newsflash, wow. it didn't work. <laughs> but, 
you know, it, it did, it did cause me to do a lot of, a lot of personal development around that. Cause mm -hmm. I, I was way more reactive than I should be. And, and the reality of the situation is that every time this guy is a, a, another podcaster, every time he'd say my name, whether he said Bulletproof Coffee changed my life, which was the, the first half also I would say, and then Dave Asprey's a bad man slash con artist slash, and he made whatever, made mm. up stuff. Mm. Every time he said my name, my sales went up. It didn't matter what he said. I had the numbers, but I didn't see that. That was my blind spot. Mm. And I write about this in Game Changers without you know, naming names and all. He knows who he is. He knows what he did. <laughs> I like to imagine he feels bad about it, but whether he does or doesn't, man, that's all, that's all his own, his own karma, his own business. But what happens is most people are really worried about people think about them, right. but you're unlikely to achieve your, your vision and your mission. In fact, the people who do the most disruptive things get the most crap. Look at, look at all the stuff yeah. people say about Elon Musk. In fact, anyone who's ever been disruptive has had heaps of crap thrown on them until one day the world wakes up and goes, oh, that was obvious. We we always knew that. And you're like, uh, actually, no. Didn't you remember like five years ago <laughs> when you know everyone said you were going to die if you put butter in your coffee? And yeah. you know, now it's a thing and it's not a fad. It's actually something that's changed millions of people's lives and it's yeah. not going anywhere. And a hundred years from now, people will be doing it. Right. That thing, that sort of thing, you just, you, you've got to get not, not just immune to it, but the equation that will help you the most is something that I picked up during the interviews uh, on Bulletproof Radio. It's this. If someone says something bad about you online, it takes you half a second to click ban and delete. That's exactly it. They will never hear from you again and you don't have to listen to them anymore. Mm. It took them a minute or two to like find some kind of a link or to, to craft whatever bad stuff they're going to say. And so you just sort of look at it as like, what I do is I just feel a sense of compassion for the person. Like, oh, mm. yikes, uh, poor guy, ban, delete. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I win. Uh, and it doesn't hurt me anymore. It doesn't cost me anything. I, it's like, you understand the reason they're doing that, what other people have to say about you is none of your business. It's clearly their own trauma, their own filter, and it's not based in reality. They don't even know you. And if they do know you, maybe what they're saying is useful. And if it's not useful, it's probably because their mom was mean to them and they feel sorry for them. Isn't it so true? There, I got a hate email the other day, and I mean, it was well-crafted. I mean, this person took more than a minute or two and wanted to tell me all about how I look and what a sham and what a crook and, oh, it was just the whole thing. And my first response was, gosh, what happened to you? And then it was like delete, but and ban and delete. And then the other half of me thought, well, this is exciting because if I'm getting random hate mail from people that I don't think I know, then this means I'm I'm making some impact. So it was a two-sided thing of compassion and then like, okay, just keep going. Put those blinders on. And the other three words that are really important is say my name. If they take the time to send you the email, you won. <laughs> Right, like, like literally, they're talking about you. It's so true. And so, and people have said all sorts of horrible things about me, and sometimes I just laugh. I'm like, where do they even get that? Like right. Wikipedia <laughs> doesn't even know what year I was born in. It's just, it's kind of crazy. And there's been people either say, oh, you know, bulletproof coffee is going to kill people. I'm like, that's funny because I've got like you know big name doctors on the back of my books talking about how this is you know cutting edge and beneficial and stuff. And so you just realize it's a lot of people's old fear and trauma. And usually it, it's a fear of you know, not being heard or a fear of being disrespected or a fear of being wrong. And when you tell someone that what they've been eating 
isn't serving them for a lot of people. It's a triggering event. Just, you know, like, like someone yeah. yelled at them about that when they were two and, and they never got over it. It's okay. They're humans. We won't get over stuff that happens when we're two unless we take action to do it. But that whole thing that you picked up there, well, now you know, thank you, Tony Robbins, that you had something going on there. And so once, once it has a name, once you're aware of it, it loses a lot of its power. And then you go through and you end up turning off that pattern and it'll never bother you again. You basically say, F that, right, exactly. And you're like, I don't want to live like that. That's small, that's unfulfilled. That's me hiding out and isolating and and pretending to be someone other than the magical person that I know I'm supposed to be. Magical, I know, is my word, but you know, you can go woo-woo-y. You did have Byron Katie on the other day. By the way, I love her. I've done ayahuasca with shamans. I've had shamans on it. I've done shamanic training. I, I mean, so if- cool. I mean, you're just, you're so dynamic. You can't live in a world of, you know, we are meat robots and, you know, collections of molecules. If that's all you are, you're wrong. And if you're in that Mm -hmm. land of like, we're all just mystical fairies drifting through, like either side, you got a problem. You got to be a centrist in personal development. We are rational and irrational simultaneously. And that is human nature. And you want both of those to line up. And if you overweight either side of it, you're probably going to act either like a flake or like a jerk. Oh, totally. Okay. Two final questions. You talk about these things in Game Changers, so I've been seeing in your precursors differently. You call them habit loops, but I would call them rituals and routines, but I love habit loops. You call them positive or negative, and they're measured by the outcome of the actions that occurs from decisions being made or a decision. What are some of your daily habit loops that have truly impacted your life? This comes down to decision fatigue. I, I just I don't want to waste time on decisions that don't that don't do anything that don't mean anything. Mm. So one of the the big ones is breakfast. Mm. You can spend a lot of time thinking about breakfast, or <laughs> you could just say I'm having bulletproof coffee, which is my normal go to thing, or I'm just having nothing. But I don't have to sit down and, and do any of the thinking for that. Another habit that I've set up that really, really makes a difference because I have young kids. I, d- I leave my phone in airplane mode until I drop my kids off at school. Oh, I love hearing that. Yeah, I, I don't have to pay attention to any of that crap, whatever text <sighs> message is going to come through. Other people trying to hijack my brain. It, it matters. It does. Yeah. It's huge. I always see you take intermittent social fasting breaks. And as soon as you do it, I'm like, that's it. I'm doing it too. And I don't always make an announcement, but I mean, I have to put that freaking phone down because it's unbelievable that, you know, and I can only imagine at your level that people think that you're available 24 seven and you're not, you have a life and you have boundaries. You say no really healthily, by the way, I heard you tell Tony Robbins that you wanted to be at that epic event in Italy a few weeks ago where Peter Diamandis and all sort of like very progressive biohackers, blah, 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 were there. And you, of course, were invited. And you're like, yeah, but it was like my daughter's birthday. And I just, I loved you in that moment. I was like, you know what? That's what you will remember at 180 years old when you're in the rocking chair, you know, because you can't do it all. I can confess. I tried to convince my 11-year-old that having her birthday in Rome would be really fun. (laughs) But you still had a standard for the quality of life. And so did she, clearly. (laughs) You raised her well. I love hearing about that. Airplane mode on the phone. What else helps to set you up to be optimized? Just removing small decision points throughout the day. On a typical day, you're going to see me wearing a bulletproof t-shirt. I have a stack of them. I take whatever one's on top and I wear that one. <laughs> if I'm traveling or I'm going to be on Dr. Oz or whatever, sure, I'm going to you know, dress the way you're supposed to dress. But 
on a daily basis, I probably spend less time thinking about my clothes than the vast majority of people because it's just not worth it. And Steve Jobs did the same thing. Zuckerberg does it. Presidents of countries do it. Where they're saying, you know, I the only choice is what color tie do I wear today because everything else is always the same. And so just anytime you can have less complexity is better. For me, because I have so much going on, I have a really good assistant. And you know, having someone else help to prioritize my day. So I can tell you five minutes before our podcast, I had no idea what I was going to be doing. And I said, all right, what's next? I finished up my interview with Jack. I made a quick phone call. And then I said, all right, I've got this thing coming on. All right. But everything I needed was right there. If I was acting the way I would have acted three or four years ago, I would have thought about it earlier in the day. I would have you know, made sure various things were done and all that stuff. As it is, I, I have other people help me so that I can achieve at this level. And a lot of it just comes down to, can someone else make that decision? If so, they're going to. But setting up those routines and those habit loops, right, to eliminate some of that decision fatigue is good. So ladies, listen up. I mean, I realize you just rattled off a bunch of guys and ties and things, but I can't tell you how much endless wasted time I spend. I'm on air, right, on extra every single week. So, I mean, it can take 20 minutes just looking, staring, gazing at the closet. I'm like, this is such a waste of time. If you're a woman on camera, it's really tough. Because yeah. I mean the expectations are are very different. For a lot of a lot of us, depending on what's going on, you you can still do what's called a capsule wardrobe. And right. you know, in, in that case, you can buy things that usually match. So if you don't have much time in the morning and it's you know, it's a normal day, you know you need to look put together and there's you know various looks, but anything you can do to to simplify and, and just not have that time where you stand in front of the mirror, does this look good? Does this look good? That's not time you get back. You can put that time into meditating or you put it into like picking which dress matches what shoes. I, I, I don't really know. What are your top three pieces of advice for people who really want to kick more ass in life? I don't know if anyone's asked you this. I'm sure they have, but I haven't heard your answers as of now, November 26th. Well, the good thing is the very, very end of Game Changers, I actually write about it and I broke oh. my own rules because... I put, I actually put four of them in there. Ooh, I love that. Well, you had to do a bonus. You are the father uh, of biohacking. Exactly. I'm like, I'm breaking some rules here. Three and give me three. Who do you think? I you love are? it too, because when you ask your guests, you always say, and only three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I'm like, yeah, I took four. I love that. So we have to wait. Can I get one now? Yeah. So the, okay. the first one is actually just the power of gratitude. And there's several laws in the book about that, but this is one of those hacks. It doesn't take any money. It's that idea that, look, find three things you're grateful for today before you go to bed or do it when you wake up in the morning. Yeah. I do it with my kids every night. And if you just do that, it changes neuroscience in your brain. It takes you out of fight or flight and it takes you out of need and lack and FOMO and all that other stuff. It takes one minute and you do it. And that is one of the most important things you can do. Uh, this, a second thing, I'll give you two of the things that are, oh. that are in there. The other one is just understand that there is a separate consciousness within your body responsible for keeping your meat alive. And you will believe that you are that consciousness, but you are not. And we can see that it's a different consciousness with neuroscience and EEGs and the stuff I've done with neuroscience really informs this perspective. So all those things that you've done that you're ashamed of, they all came from survival wiring in your meat. They did not come from you and your higher self. And having that division is like, oh, wait, there's another thing in here that's working for these three goals 
run away from and kill scary things, eat everything and F everything else. And your job as a human being is to not let that system be in charge. So you get it mostly right and you can be profoundly happy and performant. And if instead you think I'm such a bad person because I'm having these thoughts, because the voice in my head says this, because of this and that and the other, that's just confusing who you are with what your body does. And they're different things. I love that. Making that distinction. I can't wait to read about that and how you unpack it. I ask all my guests this same question like you ask your guests. And the purpose of the mindset mashup is to bring on people like you, right? Like epic game changers who have a mindset that I'm inspired by. And it could be biohacking, you know, some myriad of different categories. But for me, it's all to just experience more fulfillment because we're all doing the things and taking the things and saying the things and for more fulfillment. But everyone's got a different definition. How do you define fulfillment? When you do the things that you're here to do, it's profoundly fulfilling. Hmm. And the trick is, how do you know what you're here to do? And so finding your mission, finding your path is really important. When you're doing things that are off your path, you will feel unfulfilled no matter what they are. At least you will in the long term. If you do things that are on your path that are the reason you're here, you'll feel fulfilled. And fulfillment is one of those things that can guide you towards whether you're doing it right. And how would you recommend that someone begin to understand what they're here for? Because so many people don't know that answer. You know, it requires a lot of introspection. And I I touch on this in a few of the laws in the book. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite laws in the book is law eight. It's get out of your head. I saw that, yeah. And, you know, you probably want to go to Peru and do ayahuasca with a shaman or spend 10 days doing a Vipassana silent meditation retreat or fast in a cave and on a vision quest, something Mm -hmm. that gets you very far outside of your comfort zone. When you stop thinking so much and just start paying attention, you already know, everyone already knows. I've had my biggest breakthroughs from holotropic breathing, which was actually a replacement for LSD or from neurofeedback, the 40 years of Zen kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Profound things come into mind, but I asked Jack this on my recent interview with him. And he said, oh yeah, when I was 29, I, I took some LSD. I'm like, Jack, did you really just say that on the air? He's like, yeah. And, and that's he, how he found his purpose? It was part of it. This Harvard trained, <laughs> I love it. But he's not alone. A, a lot of people do right. that. This isn't well, that a was Ram Dass, same thing. Yeah, in fact, he quoted Ram Dass. Yeah, but oh, it, I love Ram This is not a, uh, this is not go to, you know, take drop acid, go to Disneyland. This is people who do it with a shaman, like in a personal development, clean, safe setting with, with medical supervision, all that kind of stuff. And, and I talk about that. But most people who are game changers, one way or another, they found a way to get outside themselves, look in and figure out their mission because it's sitting there for all of us. You just have to find a time and enough space to really sit down and connect with it. When you ask, the universe will tell you. Oh, it's so, so true. And I love that. And I really look at everything that you're up to as one big, beautiful movement in personal development, right? So it's an investing in biohacking and there's a lot of different, really cool modules coming out. And hopefully you are going to be at the helm of getting it covered by healthcare because I've heard you talk about this so much and getting it to be affordable for all humans everywhere. But yes, I see Game Changers as a New York Times bestseller. I'm so grateful for this to be true. And so it is, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on today. It's been my pleasure. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. And we'll talk soon. 
Hey guys, thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard today, please share it with a friend and you can head on over to iTunes to leave me a review. That would be so appreciated. And of course, if you'd like to reach me directly with any comments, questions, or feedback, you can do so at themindsetmashup.com. Thanks again for listening and I look forward to hearing from you. 